Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Got a message. I feel like the Lord is speaking and I want to bring out today about the Holy Spirit versus the soul. And I want to bring some understanding around that because I feel like God is wanting us to go up a level in the spirit. He wants us to be full and overflowing with his spirit. He wants us to be walking in his spirit. I've loved the testimonies that have come out over the last couple of weeks. Some of them I've heard secondhand from 412, what God has done in the conference last week. Powerful life-transforming testimonies, testimonies of families coming in, testimonies of people um, forgiving from way back of issues that happened in their childhood, encountering God and being transformed by the Spirit of God. You know, when there's nothing like God changing our lives. In fact, nothing can change our life permanently, radically, accept the power of God, accept Jesus. Everything else is temporary. Everything else is futile. I'll read you a scripture. John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, it's Jesus speaking, are spirit and they are life. Another version says, the spirit is the one who gives life. Human nature is of no help. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Jesus is the word. When we read the word, we're not reading black and white print. We are reading, the. it's like when I read the word, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for him. I'm looking for intimacy with him. I'm listening for his voice speaking to me. I'm listening for the Holy Spirit. What are you saying, God? It's not get through this chapter, oh, well, next chapter, I've done the book of Galatians. No, I'm looking for Jesus. It's connection, it's relationship. His, the Spirit, the, his word is life to us. It changes us. Human nature profits nothing. It cannot help us. And there's so much that the world does to try and help people and it's noble, but it's ineffective. You know what I mean? People have serious problems that end up going for help in the world and end up on medication trying to treat the symptom. Only Jesus, only the Holy Spirit can heal a broken soul. Only Jesus can transform a heart. Only Jesus can deal with the roots of bitterness and rejection and pain that goes on in our life. Only Jesus can wash us clean from the sin and the guilt and the shame that we carry. It's only an encounter with Jesus that changes us. That's why we need the Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, because if we settle for human effort, if we settle for the soulish nature, we will end up in the same place. You know, it's like when you set a New Year's resolution at the beginning of the year, and by February, it's like it's out the window. Why? Because you tried it in your own strength. It was human effort to try and 
I'm going to run 10Ks a day or whatever. Some people are better at that than others and that they might have a stronger will. But it's only God that changes our motivations. It's only God that changes our heart that we want to do what pleases him. We can't serve. I mean, the Old Testament is full of the story of the law and the people of God breaking the law consistently until Jesus came and offered a new covenant. And he said, I'll put my spirit inside of you. It says in, I think it's Philippians, that he wills us to do his good pleasure. He puts that desire in our hearts to serve him and obey him. Okay, the spirit. Once we have accepted Christ into our hearts, we are now born again of the spirit of God. We are born again and we are a new creation. Our spirit has become alive in Christ and we become one with the Holy Spirit. So when we encounter Jesus Christ, we're new. We're, we're born again like we've been born in the natural. We're born again in the spirit. We're a completely new creation in Christ. Our human spirit, which is dead, becomes alive and joins with the Holy Spirit and we are new. We are a new person on the inside. It talks about in Galatians how the old has passed away and the new has come. It, Christianity is not a tag. It's not a label. It's not something we add on to our life. It's not about going to church every Sunday. It's not saying we're a Christian nation. Yes, we have a heritage of men and women of God that have brought the gospel and people have responded. So yes, in that sense, we're, we're Christian, but we're only Christian if we're living for Christ. We're only Christian if we're born again of the Spirit. You can't call yourself a Christian. Well, you can, but you're not genuine Christian unless you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, unless you have been born again. Otherwise, we're just conforming to rules. Otherwise, it's just religion. There's no spirit life. There's no power. It's human effort that doesn't help us. It doesn't accomplish anything. The very first time I encountered Jesus, you know the story, when I was seven years of age, I changed on the inside. Joy came into my heart immediately. Peace came into my heart immediately. I was clean immediately. I was washed I, I said that I feel like I've been washed on the inside. I, I was seven years old. I knew something was alive on the inside of me. I was skipping across the road. I was excited because something had happened on the inside. That's what it's like for us when we're born again. But when we're born again of the Spirit, we're born as babes, just like in the natural. Awesome to see brand new baby in the house this morning. But that little baby is needing to be nurtured, needing to be fed, is hungry, desire, it needs help. And in the spirit, it's the same. When we're first born again, we need to be nurtured. We need to be fed. We need to grow up. We're not born mature. We're born babes. The Bible talks about how we start on the milk of the word, and then we grow up to eat the meat, the solid meat, we can digest some tougher steak, you know what I mean? We can digest the, the food of God in a, in a stronger way. But we have to, we're responsible to, and the, the family of God is responsible to grow us up into maturity, to grow our spirit man. 
But what I see that happens a lot is sometimes we stunt our growth. We, we don't grow to the potential that God wants us to. We don't grow up to the full measure of the stature of Christ. We don't grow up to maturity because, uh, I mean, Galatians talks about this, but they, they went back into the law. They went back into the flesh. And we can go back into the soulish realm. I, I want to explain what the soul is. The soul is the innermost central part of the natural man, humanity, when we're born in the natural. Many call the soul the heart of man, which is distinct from the spirit. The soul is made up of our thinking and our feelings. That's just putting it there really basically. That's our soul. What we feel and what we think is our soul. And often our soul gets, well, I think all of our souls get damaged. We end up with a broken soul because we've got distorted thinking, we've got um, hurt and pain on the inside, our emotions are broken. And if we go back and live according to the soulish nature or are led by the soul, if we do things based on how we feel, if we do things based on just our human thoughts, we end up it says the soul brings, the flesh brings death. We end up in destruction. We end up in defeat. We end up in um, uh, stunting our growth. We don't grow up to maturity in the spirit. Uh, I was trying, thinking of an illustration. Jonathan's mother passed away. Some of you know about that this week. When, I, when it, uh, we got the call, I, I started to cry because, you know, she was my mother-in-law. I knew her for a long time, beautiful woman. And there's a sadness in our soul when we lose someone close to us. Our soul feels the pain. Our soul feels the grief. But you know what I did? I didn't stay in my soul and spend the next week weeping. I thought about where she is. She knew the Lord. And I thought, thank you, Lord. She's with you. And I rejoiced. See, my spirit wasn't grieving. My spirit was rejoicing. I was excited that 90 years she faithfully served the Lord. She'd finished her course. She's gone to be with him. She's in his presence. She's in a new, well, she will be in a new body. But it's a different perspective. It's a spirit perspective. It's the spirit realm. So... What I did was I pulled my soul up into the spirit. I said to myself, and I said out loud, she's with the Lord. And so I took charge, if you like, over the soulish nature and recognized by the spirit that she's rejoicing, she's with heaven, so therefore I rejoice. But that's just a little example that's like that in every area of our life. We can choose to be in the soul or we can choose to be in the spirit. The Bible's clear that those who are led by the spirit are children of God. Unless we're walking in the spirit, we're not following him. But when we're in the spirit, we're seeing things from a different perspective. We're living in a different realm. There's, it's, it's a beautiful picture. Like, if you weren't born again and you were, you know, in today's society, if you're not born again and you're hearing what's going on around in the world, 
we're talking in the car about Melbourne, how since March they've been in lockdown and how there's mass like protests going on now because people, I think, humans are not created to be locked up in prison, you know what I mean? It's like they're locked up, they've been there for months and there's a whole city that's been locked up and people that don't have God, what do they do? It's like you try and bind someone, you try and put a child on a seat for 10 minutes and they can't handle it. It's kind of like that. You put an adult in your home for several months, you can't handle it. So they're like gone into this frenzy and uh, reaction because they, they can't handle it. That If you look across the world at what's going on, there's so much... Um, decay, that's what the word of God talks about, but our souls can't handle the mess that the world is in. There's so much anarchy because people can't handle the pain that's going on on the inside of their life. There's so much violence because people are filled with hate and rage because of the, the, the trauma of their own life. You know what I'm saying? There's so much brokenness in families that the the children who are now adults are still having tantrums because they've never learnt self-control because self-control is a fruit of the spirit. You know, there's no answer in the world because the soul is broken and there's no answer in humanity. But in the spirit, there's a different perspective. In the spirit, if you born-again Christian get locked up, like Paul in prison, what did he do? He wrote the word of God. He was rejoicing. He was praising God. And I tell you, those prisons weren't pretty places. It wasn't like the prison of your home with Netflix TV, you know, Wi-Fi data, dial up, you know, Uber Eats or whatever it is. You know what I mean? That wasn't the prison Paul went through. But still he was rejoicing. Still he was like, bringing the revelation of the word of God under the guidance of the Holy Spirit because he was a new creation. He wasn't limited by the flesh life or the human side. And I'm thinking like in these days, I, I just, I'm melancholy, so I think these thoughts, but I've been reading a little bit and studying about end times. I'm reading all sorts of things. And so what I'm saying now is not truth. Don't, I'm not saying this is coming from biblical truth. But there is a theory out there that God created creation in seven days, right? And the seventh day he rested. The word of God says a day is a thousand years. Um, there's a theory that the earth will survive 6,000 years and the millennial reign will be the Sabbath rest of a thousand years, making up the seven days of creation. So the earth will exist for seven days, 7,000 years. And then they've done some figures where they've looked. Jesus died or rose from the cross. So the first 2,000 years was from Adam to Abraham. That's true. The next 2,000 years was from Abraham to Christ. That is the time of Israel. The next 2,000 years has been the age of the church from Christ and they're saying till the end. From the time of the cross, which they, um, scholars say was uh, between 28 AD and 33 AD, somewhere in that bracket, it takes 2,000 years to make the 6,000 years, you following me, <laughs> um, is um, 2000, between 2021 and 2026, I think, is that 
bracket. 2021 is next year, guys. <laughs> if you believe in the pre-trib rapture, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you know what I'm saying? I thought about this and I thought, so what I asked myself, if Jesus comes back next year and the rapture happens next year, am I ready? Am I going to be raptured? Am I ready? Have I done, I started thinking, how many more people can I evangelize? How many more people can I bring into the kingdom of God? We've got to live with that urgency. Now, I'm not saying one way or the other, whether it's pre or post-trib, I'm not going there in that way, but I'm saying, are you ready? Are you ready if Jesus comes tomorrow? Or what about the tribulation? What if you had to go through the tribulation? Just consider that for a moment. Are you ready? Could you handle persecution? I was pleased to see that Trump rescued a missionary in Nigeria with his special op forces. Six men went in and rescued an American missionary out of Nigeria. But you know what I thought about? I thought about the thousands and thousands that weren't rescued. I thought about those families that have had their houses burnt down and they've been slaughtered. I thought about the churches that have been burnt down and the Christians are murdered. I think we live in a bubble here in the Cook Islands, but I think we deceive ourselves to think that nothing bad could happen here. <laughs> I'm not saying this to freak you out, but I am saying we shouldn't sit comfortable and think nothing bad is ever going to happen. We shouldn't presume that there's not going to be persecution on our lives. Persecution's happening to the church all around the world. China, North Korea, Nigeria. There's heaps of countries around the world where people are being murdered for their faith, where women are being raped, where children are being hijacked. It's, it's horrific. What gives them the strength to stand? What gives them... I read a horrible story about Pakistan the other day, about this woman who wouldn't deny Christ and she was forced to marry this man. She's only a child, I think she was 13. It was horrible. What gives a Christian the power to stand that sort of persecution? It's not our soul. It's the spirit of God within us. And we've got to build our spirit strong in these days. We've got to build the spirit man so we can um, stand no matter what. And I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, says the soul and the spirit are closely linked, though they are diametrically opposed to each other. Our spirit is instantly made new at salvation, but our soul is renewed in a process. Our mind is renewed as we bring our thoughts into line with the word of God. But that doesn't happen instantly. It's a process. The unclean thoughts might come back, come back, come back. As we renew our mind with the word of God, we get victory over those thoughts. Our mind gets renewed. The spirit carries God nature, which is manifest through the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22. Fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forgiveness, whatever, you know, faithfulness, I think. The fruit of the Spirit. God wants the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's what he's producing. We don't have to strive to produce the fruit. We just have to submit. 
We have to surrender. We have to agree with God and let him do his work inside of us. You know, there's been many areas in my life where over the process of following Jesus and allowing him in, he's changed me. He's changed my, my he's brought the fruit of the Spirit. It's not me, it's him where I would have got irritable with somebody and annoyed. I don't get irritable and annoyed anymore. Where I would have mouthed off and, you know, retaliated with my mouth and said things that were defiling and horrible, I don't do that anymore. That's the work of the Spirit in my life. That's when the Holy Spirit came in and broke bondage. I actually got deliverance for a murderous spirit on the inside of me that would fly into rage when someone pressed the right buttons. I couldn't just self-control that in my human strength. It was by the Holy Spirit. The soul is self-focused, self-conscious, and self-governed. That's what our soul life is. It's, it's all about me. It's, it's, it's focuses on self. The Spirit focuses on Him. We glorify him, we lift him up, we praise him, we worship him, we live for him, we listen to him, we're led by him. That's the work of the spirit, but the soul is all about self. I didn't feel that person liked me. Uh, I didn't like the way she spoke to me. Uh, I, I, I didn't get enough recognition. I wasn't appreciated. I came down and cleaned the church and no one said thank you. You know, that's the soul nature. That's the self nature. It wants to be affirmed. It wants to be recognized that it's, it's crying out, our souls are crying out for acceptance, our souls are crying out for affirmation and love, it's like this, this desire, the Bible talks in Romans about to do the things I don't want to do, it's the evil desires are within the soul. Um, our souls must be brought into governance by the Holy Spirit in us. Without a complete yielding to the Holy Spirit, we naturally are governed by reason and by the fleshly appetites, responses, and reactions of the soul. That's where Romans 7, if you know that chapter, it talks about Paul said, I do the things I don't want to do. I, I who, who can help me? Um, Romans seven eighteen. For I know that in me nothing good dwells. It's actually a really good revelation to have when God shows you that there's nothing good in you. Um, because when you come to the end of yourself and realize even my good works, even the nice side of my nature, you know, we talk about how our human nature has a good side, and that's why we see people in the world that might be generous or might be kind or she's lovely or whatever. That's the good side of the human soul. Even that is filthy rags to God because the motivation is wrong. The motivation's about self. She's nice and lovely as long as her needs are being met, <laughs> as long as she's pleased. You know what I'm saying? And that's how our soul works. So even our good works, you know, someone can be really kind and do generous things, offer someone, give an awesome gift for someone for their birthday, but the motivation might be so that person likes them. That's not by the spirit, that's by the soul. Um, forgiveness. Our soul gets offended regularly, right? Someone might say something, actually somebody did something last night. My, initial, my soul got offended. 
I thought, that was dishonouring. <laughs> that, that's what came to my mind in a second, and I felt this, like, offence inside of me. But I thought, I, I said in my mind, I forgive her. I forgive her. And then I went the next step out of my way to reach out to that person. That's the spirit taking governance over the soul. uh, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to give a brother if he keeps sinning against me? Is it seven times? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, every day we can be offended. Someone can do something that annoys us, upsets us, hurts us, rejects us, dishonors us, disrespects us. I mean, it goes on all the time, eh? But the Spirit forgives. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you. Someone asks for your shirt, jacket, give them your shirt too. They ask you to walk a mile, walk two miles. In other words, go above and beyond. When someone's hurting you, someone's rejecting you, someone's bullying you, someone's pulling you down, the response of the Spirit is love. The response of the Spirit is forgiveness. That's how we grow up into maturity. That's how we take on the nature of Christ. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. That's what he said at the cross. That's the same Spirit when his Spirit dwells in us that comes out of us by the Spirit. So that's the wrestle that's on the inside of us between the spirit and the soul. The soul wants to harbor hurt. The soul wants vengeance. The soul wants justice. The soul wants retribution. She said that to me, well, she's going to pay. You know what I mean? That's the soul. That's how the flesh reacts. You think you can pull one over me? Well, watch what I can do to you. That's the soul. And the soul is jealousies, competitiveness. Oh, she got this. I'm going to get that. He got this, you went out and bought yourself this, I'm going to go out and buy myself that. That's competitive nature of the soul. But that's in opposition to God. And God wants our spirit alive. God wants us walking in the spirit because that's how we produce the fruit of the spirit. That's how we are transformed into the image of God. God is coming back, James said last week, for a bride without spot or blemish. God is removing those blemishes out of our life only by the Spirit. So when we recognize that even our good is ugly, even our, the good things we do out of our human nature is, is offensive to God, it's corrupt, then we come to the place of dependence and we realize, God, it's only you. It's only you that does anything good inside of me. I had an encounter with Jesus back in Christchurch a few years ago. Holy Spirit came into the room and I felt these filthy rags being pulled out of the inside of me. And I came out with the revelation that even my good was filthy. Even, you know, because some of us like might grow up with stable homes and are taught to be polite, are taught manners, are taught you know, to put on a smile, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We're taught principles and we do good things. But it's filthy rags. It doesn't count. It's, it's ends in death. It's not life. But when God comes in and uh, we're mistreated, we're scorned upon, we're rejected, we're hated, and love comes out, that's not us. That's him. That's the work of the Spirit in our lives.
people who are battling with sin areas. Sometimes we can have sin areas of addiction. We don't overcome our sin areas, our addiction, by thinking, I will not sin. You know what I mean? By focusing on it. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to think those thoughts. I'm not going to do those acts. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. We overcome sin by walking in the spirit. As long as we're battling it in the soul, we're not going to get victory. But when we come up in the spirit and we recognize, I am a new creation. The old, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And we identify with the new man or the new woman that we are in Christ. Uh, we have a new, it's pure. I'm focusing on God is pure, therefore I am pure. And I walk in purity because he is pure. Do you know what I'm saying? God is holy. I am holy in him. It's his holiness that walks through me. We have to shift into the new to walk in the new. As long as we stay in the old nature trying to battle the same sin, we'll, we'll never get victory because there's no victory there. We come out and we renew our minds as to who we are in Christ. I think it's Romans again. It says, consider yourself dead to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin. In other words, when you get the revelation that my sin and my self was crucified on the cross with Jesus and that exchange took place and now he dwells in me and now it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. How can Christ sin? How can Christ com commit fornication? How can Christ go into pornography? How can Christ get drunk? How can, it, that's not the nature of Christ. And I am in Christ and he is in me and I am a new creation. It's like, it, I'm a whole new person. You know what I'm saying? There's the revelation. Consider yourself dead to sin. That's the old man. I am not that person anymore. Okay. The more we focus on the sin and the human nature which is corrupted, we end up doing what we don't want to do. Okay. Actually, Mary says something really interesting in one of his messages recently. And while I'm on that, I want to encourage you to connect in to the gathering messages in Christchurch. It's really easy. If you're not tech-savvy, come and see me. I'll show you how. It's just on YouTube under Celebration Church, I think, Christchurch, um, or go through the app, Celebration app. But the, I was thinking about this. You know, we have fathers and mothers in the faith that have walked with the Lord for nearly 50 years. They are carrying revelation for us. They're part of our movement. They're our leaders they're carrying revelation for us that we need. Like, revelation is food. We feed our spirit by eating of the word of God. We feed our spirit by tuning into the revelation of what God's saying. So I encourage you, tune in, listen. There's powerful revelation there. One of the things Mary was talking about was how we bring up our kids in the soulish area. He's talking about the flesh, and we promote competition 
and we say, oh, you were really, really fast in that race, well done, you deserve a prize, or you, you did awesome in that spelling bee, and we, we bring, um, pr- uh, what's it, praise and affirmation, and we celebrate their victories according to the flesh. Now, I'm not saying that we don't affirm our children, don't get me wrong, but then he said, but what about affirming them in the things of God? I love the way you worship God when we come into church on Sunday and how you come up the front and you dance and you worship God. You know, that's beautiful. Or, you know, when you shared with your brother or sister that toy, that was, that was the nature of Jesus. That's what Jesus does. It's like we affirm the spirit or we can affirm the soul. But if we're constant, you know, it says train up a child in the way he should go and when they're older they won't depart from it. Sometimes we've been training up our children according to the flesh for 20 years and then we wonder why they're not serving the Lord. It's because we haven't actually brought to them Christ. We haven't brought to them the model of Christ. In fact, one of the things I prayed for with our kids, I was concerned because as a new parent, I looked across and saw pastors, awesome men of God that were above me, in the Lord, and I saw their children not serving the Lord, and I, I was really grieved, and I thought, I don't want that for my kids, I don't want to be serving the Lord in ministry, and my kids, w- w- what could be more painful than your own kids not serving the Lord, so I went to Nancy, because I was really burdened about, said, what did you do to get Corey and Kelly in, in the Lord, and she said, she warfared, she talked about the demonic, and the assignment of the enemy, so she talked about warfaring against the enemy, and the other thing, I don't know if she said this or I just knew this, but I prayed that they would have their own encounter. I knew it wasn't enough for me to say, this is what the Bible says and have family devotions. I knew it wasn't enough to just give them the principles of God, though it's important, it wasn't enough. It wouldn't change their heart. I knew they needed their own encounter. So our kids grew up in a Christian home, you know, I think a fairly blessed home, but it wasn't until James was here, 16 years of age, went on encounter that he encountered God for himself that transformed him. It wasn't until Zach and Melody had a personal encounter with God that they were changed. So I want to encourage you, pray for that supernatural encounter. Lord gave me a scripture from Acts 2, I think it's Acts 2.38. The promise of the Spirit is for your children and your children's children and all those that are far off. The Lord spoke that to me. He said, the promise of the Spirit is for your children and your children's children. So when I would pray, I'd say, Lord, you said to me, the promise is for my children. And I would pray, God, give them the Holy Spirit. Give them an encounter with you, Jesus. So God speaks to us his will, his word, and then we take his word and we remind him, we, we connect God you said, and we pray. That's why prayer is important. It's a work of the spirit. It's a spiritual activity. You know, what we experience on a Sunday here in the house, souls getting saved, people getting healed, lives being changed, is the fruit of prayer that happens during the week. And prayer is like, it's, it's, not, um, 
It's God. It's the Holy Spirit praying through us. If we build our lives, our family, our churches on the soulish nature, it will result in death. You know, if, if you look across denominations of churches in the world today that are devoid of the Holy Spirit, that was not how they started. They started with men of God or women of God that had encounters with the Holy Spirit. But often what happens is they, the churches over generations go down into the soul realm and they end up in soup kitchens and op shops and uniforms. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there's no life. There's no spirit life. We have to be diligent to build the spirit around our lives. When a church becomes governed by the soul... It pushes out the Holy Spirit. It becomes principle-driven, user-friendly, not God-friendly. Worship becomes entertainment. Counseling replaces deliverance and healing. Charisma replaces anointing. It's built on marketing and image, not prayer and fasting. And we know one another after the flesh. But the Word of God said we should know one another after the Spirit. I've got here signs I'm living in the Spirit. How do you know if you're living in the Spirit? Uh, number one, I'm going to say hunger. You are hungry for God. You're hungry for His presence. You want to be in here. You want to be reading. You want to be feeding. Um, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Um, Jesus said, unless you eat my body and drink my cup, you, you cannot can't remember, but you cannot have life, you cannot have um, the kingdom of God. Unless you eat my body, what does that mean? Jesus is the word. We eat the word. We eat the word by doing his will. We eat the word by listening to him. We feed on him. It's a, it's a spiritual analogy, if you like. We feed on Christ. We allow him to take over. We, we're not consumed with wanting things of this world. We're not consumed with materialism. We're not consumed with the pleasures of life. We're consumed with his presence. We want to feed our spirit man on him. The cup is suffering. Unless you drink my cup, Jesus said at, at, in the garden, remember, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. The cup is suffering. We have to be prepared to go through the hard seasons. We have to be prepared to lay down our life. We have to be prepared to crucify the flesh. Sometimes it's not all easy road. There's death to self that takes place. That's the cup. Okay, hunger for God, sign I'm living in the spirit. Hunger for his presence. Hunger to fellowship in the house. Hunger to be with other believers. Hunger like questions. You want to talk this. You want to know this. There's a hunger. Prayer and fasting to decrease the flesh life. You love his word. You seek his voice. Intimacy with his presence. Tears and softness in our heart. You know, when we're in the spirit, we're sensitive. We're soft. We're, we're listening to him. We have compassion. We desire to do his will. We serve him. You know, when we're um, away from the Spirit, serving Him becomes a chore. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'm on church cleaning or whatever. I'm just using that this morning. But there's so many areas that cell group tonight or whatever. 
we've we've lost we've not in the spirit we've lost we've lost the vision David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. David the king would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I love that. I love that. I, you know what I mean? It's like the little things. God sees the little things. God sees when you pick the rubbish out in the car park. No one else saw that. God saw that. God sees when we serve when no, it's like that's the, that's the beautiful that's the worship that's a beautiful worship that's a beautiful offering when nobody saw you but God there's something precious about that and that's the spirit it's not for man we do things it's for God walk in the fear of the Lord holiness is more important than being popular pleasing God more than pleasure and we won't compromise on the little areas and lastly, I've got obedience. We want to be corrected. We want our leader to speak into our life. We're not afraid of being corrected. We want to be pruned. <laughs> Pruning isn't always pleasant. It can be painful. But unless we're pruned, we won't bear the fruit that God's destined us to bear. Oh, I've got a little a analogy here, which is cool. Romans 8.2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Law is a governing force or power that is in place. So in the world we have the law of gravity. It holds everything towards the center of the earth. Now we don't, an aeroplane doesn't overcome the law of gravity by removing gravity. How many of you know that there's another law that's greater than the law of gravity for flying? It's the law of aerodynamics, the law of lift, so that when a plane goes at a certain speed and it has wings that, air, wind, goes over those wings and creates lift, and that plane defies or overcomes the law of gravity. It's the same with the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit is greater than the law of gravity, the flesh, that law of sin that pulls us down. The law of sin is like the law of gravity. It's pulling us down all the time. But the law of the spirit is like the law of aerodynamics that lifts us up above the sin realm, that lifts us up into victory over sin. It's the spirit and the soul. It's the overcoming. But... We have to have that forward momentum. We have to be pushing in. We have to be pursuing God. We have to be feeding. That's like the plane going down the runway. Unless we get our speed up in God, that law of spirit doesn't take over. I loved um, Brian's message in Christchurch a few weeks back, and he talked about how he was out in the forestry and there was lots of, um, you know, it's hard work and it's, horrible and he's doing it to build you know create income he's not paid by the church yet blah 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 and he said that God spoke to him about making melodies in his heart scripture make melodies in your heart to the Lord worship the Lord worship the Lord all the time make melodies in your heart to God it's come up in the spirit that's how we we come up in the spirit when we're 
praising God on the inside, when we're singing to Him, when we're rejoicing in Him, when we're thankful, when we've got gratitude, God, thank you. Thank you for your blessings on my life. Thank you, Lord God, that I've got food to eat. Thank you that you're a good God. Father, I thank you even in this battle. Father, I thank you even in the negative situations around my life, you're doing something. You're changing me. You're making me more like you. So often when we have conflict or we have battles with people and situations, we're so outward looking. Oh, they're the blame. Actually, I was talking to someone recently. She said... I realized that the problem in the marriage was me. But she'd come to me a while back, and it wasn't her the problem, it was him. But she said, God showed me it was me, and I think I was the problem, and now I've changed, the problem's gone. But that's classic, eh? You know, so often we have issues with somebody else, the way they treat us. We've got issues in our marriage, or issues with our kids, or issues in this. But the problem, we see the problem as them, but God's saying, no, I'm changing you. I want to adjust something in you. I want to make you more like me. You just have to die to self. You have to die to your expectations, your desires, your, it's, find it in me. So often marriage problems occur because we're trying to make the other person meet a need in us that they're not called to make, meet that need. Do you know what I mean? It's like only God can satisfy our soul. Only joy comes from him. Only peace comes from him. Only satisfaction comes from his presence. And when we go to him first, then we're able to love. Then we're able to give. Marriage isn't about getting together with somebody that's going to meet your needs. It's about getting together with someone who's going to kill you. (laughs) He's going to be used of God to destroy the flesh. Hey, iron sharpeth iron. God uses our marriage partner to kill off the flesh nature inside of us. And when we die (laughs) to self, we become like Christ and then we can love that person according to the spirit. I could go on and on. There's so much things. I guess the last area I want to talk about is our human, our relationships one with another. We to know each other by the spirit. When I see Kornini, I'm not knowing her after the flesh. I'm not getting with her and gossiping about her family. I'm not getting with her and talking about her humanness, her human nature. I'm seeing the destiny. I'm seeing the woman of God. I see the beautiful creation of God inside of her. I see the worshiper. I see the anointing. I'm connecting with her by the Spirit. In our CGs, we used to know one another after the Spirit. We're not to get in there and gather around and talk about and complain and meet over the natural things all the time. You know what I'm saying? The soulish things. We can't help each other in the soul. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you see that? Did you know that? Oh, did you hear about them? That's the soul. That's gossip. There's no life in that. We don't build each other up that way. But when the body comes together spirit to spirit, and we bring the word of the Lord, and we bring life, and we encourage one another, and we say, Did God speak to you? What's God saying to you? What's God doing in your life? 
and then we're edifying one another. You know, it says speak in psalms and song to one another. I don't think we necessarily need to sing, but we need to be in praise. We need to be singing out in the Spirit. We need to be singing, even with our kids, see them in the Spirit. Who has God called them to be? You know, speak it over them, prophesy over them. God's called you to this. God's going to use you this way. This is what I see about you. Speak the word of God. Speak the spirit life. Awaken the spirit inside of our families, in our homes. Amen. Mm. I feel like God is coming in a new level, in a greater way, in a greater portion of his spirit. We need to welcome him. We need to honor him. We need to let him in. We need to draw into him. It says, um, if I draw near to you, you will draw near to me. If I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. We've got to draw, drink on him, feed on him, come into his presence. God is knocking. It talks about in Revelation, he's knocking, knocking, knocking. And sometimes we're too busy talking, talking, talking. We don't hear the knock at the door. It's God. He's saying to you, I'm here for you. I want to heal you. I want to set you free. I want to deliver you. I want to know you. I want to speak to you. But we're too busy talking, talking, talking. We're not listening. We're not tuning in. But God is here. God is in this place. God is in our land. I I long for the day where people come in off the plane and God, They feel God. They sense God. God is changing. God is moving. God is healing. God is delivering. God is here. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website, celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.